want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever? Great. Unsure how to get started? No problem. That's what Buzzsprout is for. Podcast uses Buzzsprout. It's quick and easy. And myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use Buzzsprout. You'll get an awesome looking website. Plus your show will be out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and all other platforms. You'll also get ways to promote the show, detailed analytics and stats, and a whole lot more. But that's not all. If you signed up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card. And it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy. Start your own today. Do you want to win some cash? Do you love sports betting? Then Bet99 is the place for you. It is a Canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport. It also has an online casino. Bet99 is the official betting sponsor for the Terminal City FC podcast and the Area 51 Sports Network. Go to the Area 51 website, click betting, and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please play responsibly. Terminal City FC Podcast, talking Whitecaps, Canada, Europe, and all the big stories across the world of football. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 64 of the Terminal City FC Podcast. The up-and-coming soccer podcast for Vancouver, part of the Area 51 Sports Network. Josh Ray joined alongside Nathan Durek. Whitecast preseason is now a weekend. Did play a game yesterday, or Wednesday, and they played Hamburg SV of the second-tier Bundesliga. Lost 2-0, but Nathan, you got to see more of the game, and what are your takeaways? Yeah, I did watch it. Uh, uh, it was really nice that uh, Hamburger had a live stream of the game. So um, I didn't understand the German commentary, but I got to see uh, the players on the pitch, which was nice uh, for the first time back. Basically, with this game, it's, we need to remember that this is the very first time that the Whitecaps are getting on a pitch with an opposing side. And they're doing so with a team in Hamburger who is second place in the second-tier Bundesliga, only two points behind Darmstadt who's leading the league. They're 17 games into their league. They're in their winter break, and they're about to start the league up again next week. This is a team that is at the peak of their fitness. So just keep bear that in mind when we're looking at where the Whitecaps are right now. The Whitecaps were fine, all right? Yes, they were about a half step back from, from uh, getting first balls. They were, they were winning a couple of second balls. Duels, they were a little bit slow in. But in my mind, this is exactly where I expected this team to be 
coming into this match. I didn't expect him to be jumping up and winning every duel out there. I didn't expect him to be winning the majority of them because they're not at their peak fitness. And when it comes to match fitness, they're miles off, right? This is just the beginning. And this was a chance not only for players to continue their conditioning, but an opportunity for coaches to take a look at some of the trialists and some of the players that played with MLS Next Pro and also their, their new super draft picks to see where they are, to take a look at them and see whether or not they can fit within a senior squad that's going to have a very, very busy season playing on four different fronts. Two nothing. You know what? I thought that was fine. I think the Whitecaps did have uh, some fairly good chances. Simon Betcher uh, was a guy that impressed me. When he came on in the second half, he did very well. Same with Ali Ahmed, which was a, a scheduled change around the 35th minute for uh, Luis Martins. Um, two players that both came up from MLS Next Pro last season that, you know what? I don't expect them to play day in, day out this season, but both of them have already signed senior level contracts. And I think both of them know that they have to continue to keep working to deserve that spot. I'm liking what I'm seeing from them so far. Yeah, and yeah, again, keep in mind that Hamburg are in mid-season form while the Whitecaps are, you know, is basically still in preseason. So yeah, don't take season form, but they're at the top. Like I mean, like they said, they're only two points behind Darmstadt. They're doing very, very well, and right now they're they're a pro- a promotion contender to get to the Bundesliga, the top tier. Yeah, and don't take too much stock into this preseason game. There's also another one coming up again. Wolfsburger of the Austrian Bundesliga this Saturday, and of course the MLS preseason in Palm Springs. That will, you know, we can take more into account those games. So there's also to the Coachella Valley Invitational. That's where I'm going to start being uh, paying attention. They're going to be playing, I believe it's uh, five or six different MLS clubs. And at that point, they're already going to have close to a month under their belt in terms of conditioning. Coachella is where I'm going to start paying attention to, okay, what is your system? What are your tactics? Who are your players this season? And are you starting to get all those different little individual pieces gelling? Right, and by then, hopefully, the Whitecats will have a couple more signings. But they, one of their newer signings from last season was spoken about by Manny Sartini. And he said that he hopes fan, Whitecats fans get to see the real Alessandro Shaw this season. He cited him as one of the best players in this past week in Spain and look already looks better from what we saw in the second half of last season. And to be fair, we didn't see a lot of Schaff last season because he was trying to get settled in, didn't play for like a couple of months, had a son. And yeah, this season it'll give him a better chance to get settled in and realize his abilities. And hopefully that means Schaff will be playing a lot more as a number number eight because that's natural position and we all know what he can do with the ball it's about progression and providing service didn't see a whole lot of that with the white caps last season for reasons i already said but this is a good opportunity for shaw to realize his ability i think you've kind of nailed all the points right now the problem with seeing watching shop last season is we never saw him really play in what his natural position was. He was playing further up the pitch as an attacking midfielder. Uh, All right, did okay, but he's a box-to-box guy, right? 
Right. That's where he fits in. That's where he's natural. That's where he can run and cover that massive amount of space. He's going to be the natural replacement one day, hopefully soon, for Russell Tybert, right? Yeah. Uh, and when you put someone like him alongside uh, uh, Andreas Kubas, you're covering uh, that that middle part of the pitch in a much more dynamic way. Yes, he had a kid. Yes, he hadn't played since May. And then all of a sudden, when he came in in August, even uh, Vanny Sartini was talking about, like, this guy needs a preseason. He needs three or four weeks to get to match fitness. Well, guess what? They gave him about one and a half before he was already put in and starting and play because giving, of injuries. Now they're giving him and the rest of the team over a month. Exactly, right? We never got to see uh, Alessandro Shop play to his level because we never put him in a position to succeed at his level. He was kind of a Band-Aid solution where he was put in. Now that they're going to be able to use him how he's going to be most effective, I'm more excited to finally see who the player is. Now, let's be honest, Shop didn't really, you know, he didn't really help himself with some of his comments comparing MLS to different leagues in Europe and kind of what the level is. Sometimes when you're a new player, you got to learn to kind of just keep your mouth shut and get the lay of the land before you open it. I don't think he uh, did himself any favors, but I'm willing to forgive and forget if you put your your nose down and get to work. Yeah, and show that you're the player that the team needs. And putting him with Kubis is the ideal position while Kubis can work on recoveries, Shaw can work on progression. Yeah, off. I mean, he's a good passer, and the guy has an engine. He can run, right? He can cover further up. And if he is doing that and covering more of that, not the final third, but going into the final third, it, it allows Kubas to sit back a little bit, right? He can he can right. actually keep a little bit more in his tank for when he has to play defensively. Right. And both Schaff and Kubas can run. But absolutely like Kubas showed us last season. Also, Kubas has a bit of a shot. So as a defensive midfielder, if he wants to get up a little bit time and time again, I'm okay with that. And Kubas can pass the ball too. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like he made these really long passes that yep. worked. I'm, I'm happy to see uh, more players from the back end to ha- having better ball control. That's one thing that I noticed, uh, especially with Tristan Blackman, when they got him, this was a guy that had, was really good on his feet for, a, for a, a center back. I think a lot of that comes from his ability of being a fullback on the right side. But I'm happy that there are other players there as well. You have other players that, you know what, they do their job effectively on the defensive line. But when it comes to, you know, getting that, that kind of killer ball through, we haven't really seen that. Even someone like Renko Veselinovic, he can get the ball, he can control it, he can clear it, but he's going to distribute to the sides. Just to put it out of danger and do it. It's a simple game. It's effective, but I'm happy that we're getting players with different profiles. It gives the coach some different options. Right. And each player has a different weapon and they got to put it together to turn zero into one. Yep. Hashtag blue, blue lock reference. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, Wolfsburger is next. And we all know that the Whitecaps have been linked to the striker they have, Ty Barabo. No offer has been submitted as of now. And this obviously can't mean that Barabo can't just switch sides at halftime during no, the game. The thing is, is with Barabo, the only thing that the Whitecaps have said about him publicly is that he is interesting. Take yeah, he's, what you will. He's a target. That's what I... I guess they're considering all other options right now. Yeah. Now, Wolfsburger are 
not doing the greatest in the Austrian Bundesliga. They're sitting ninth out of 12 right now. Um, I mean, they're kind of in a bit of a dogfight. There's uh, a lot of teams that are very, very close to them, either immediately above them or immediately below them. But, I mean, if they ever wanted to compete with, say, the likes of, you know, Sturm Graz or, you know, Real or Red Bull Salzburg, they're not there yet. So this is a team that I think would be very, very interesting to see how the Whitecaps match up. Again, I'm not expecting a whole lot because the Whitecaps are still in their development stage in getting match fit. I got to say, these are the teams that I'm happy that they're playing instead of like USL championship sides that they did last year. Right. I, much better that they're playing better competition in preseason this season. But there was also a rumor that the White they're playing, they're playing clubs that are very, very technically gifted. It's forcing them out of their comfort zone. And I'm liking that. It's okay if you lose. I guarantee you that they're learning 99% more in these matches than they were last year. So I'm okay oh, yeah. for losing at this stage, so long as you're learning. Well, yeah, as long as you learn and take into account into the next game. There's also been a rumor that the Whitecats were interested in a Korean striker named Hwang Yi-jo from Olympiacos, but Manuel Vape transfer market has squashed that rumor, and the, another MLS club has made an offer, and that is Minnesota United. It's also interesting, we should note, that when it comes to uh, transfers from outside the MLS, only one club is actually allowed to make an offer. And that has to do with the whole discovery right system. A really uh, stupid rule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you and I both hate it. I know, uh, I think... No, in, sorry? I think pretty much everyone hates it. You know what? There's so many rules when it comes to Major League Soccer that are a throwback to when, you know it kind of came into play in the nineties and then it went through that contraction period and everyone was afraid it started to grow again. They need to start. I, you know what they, they MLS is really good at talking the talk of saying we're a big league. Now we're one of the bigger leagues in, if you look at global football, which is true, they're one of the top 25, but they need to start conducting themselves accordingly. And they're not quite there yet. <laughs> Discovery yeah, again, is another one they need to do. You recently. Yeah, but what needs to change in MLS and how to make it better? Yeah. Anyway, you know what? It is a, a player with a good profile. Uh, we, we should talk about South Korean players because, I mean, even throughout Europe, this is a country that is getting recognized for putting up top, top quality players. Uh, right. Take a look. I mean, everyone knows Sun Hyun Min. I mean, he's one of the most recognizable faces in global soccer right now. Uh, arguably, one of the most recognizable faces in Asia. Period. Uh, period. But doing doing an amazing job at Tottenham. You've got uh, other players that have come up through the systems, playing, uh, especially uh, in places like Germany. We also got Greece. I mean, this this is a country that if you want to take a look at top quality players, take a look. You might be able to get yeah, them. another one that been rumored to be on the move, Sung, who scored a couple of goals in the World Cup for South Korea. He's been linked to Minnesota United, Celtic, and a bunch of other European clubs. Well, then there's also the one guy who's been linked with uh, Tottenham for the past year, and I cannot remember his name, but he's he's his nickname is just The Monster. This guy, he's like, a, I think he's about six foot six, center back and apparently this guy's like an immovable an in unmovable mountain 
Like just like it's not the kind of physical profile you would typically associate with someone from South Korea, but it exists. And the skill level is there as well, because that technical game is taught very, very young, something that doesn't really happen when it comes to North America. Yeah. You know, For sure. like uh, the European explosion in the, uh, in the NHL in the, in the early nineties, you know, you had all these North American players basically look like they were standing still because then they realized, Oh wait, we actually have to skate. Yeah. Cause these European, European guys like uh, the late Boreas Salmi. Back in the day. Yep. Matt Sundin. Yeah. All that, all that skill. But uh, anyway, I think it's a, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's it's nice that that the Whitecaps are being associated with these names. In my mind, what it shows that is that they're putting the feelers out there, right? They're not just you know hedging their bets on one one guy. They're looking around. We we kind of know where, you know, who their favorite is, but they're looking. They have a list. Yeah, and I just hope that they. Find their guy by the end of the month. Yeah, absolutely. Before they head off to uh, Palm Springs. Yeah. One but you know what? That, uh, the Whitecaps are also interested in is uh, another uh, current free agent uh, who comes by way of Norway, uh, the Norwegian club uh, Bodo Glimt, is goalkeeper Nikita Hayton. Uh, he is an Israeli Russian uh, nationality goalkeeper. Very young, he's only 24 years old. But this is a goalkeeper that has got a little bit of interest from the Whitecaps. Uh, He's also got interest from uh, English club, English, I believe, championship side, uh, Blackburn Rovers, who have really been looking at him. It's been reported by uh, the Telegraph up where Blackburn plays. Uh, The one thing is, is this is a guy that I'm interested in when it comes to the Whitecaps, because I do wonder if Blackburn is kind of just kicking the tires. They actually have... They're very, very deep when it comes to goalkeeper. So I do wonder if they're looking at this guy, not necessarily because they need the position, but because he's free. This is one guy that I think if the Whitecaps are astute, they could get in there. And coming from Norway, he's not going to take DP wages. I don't even think you'd ever have to pay him down in TAM. He's a guy that you could get in on a senior level contract. Right. And possibly Thanks. very effectively. Thanks. Takes an international spot has been been pretty decent, especially in the Europa League. And he's twenty seven, not twenty four. Oh, my mistake. Yeah, that's what it's saying here. Here in this, um, right? He's twenty seven. Yeah, in this, uh, I believe Swedish Norwegian uh, website. That's okay. uh, about the rumor. He. Uh... He has played for the U21 levels for Russia before, so he has already declared there. Uh, but uh, Or he did, uh, but he has also had interest previously from other clubs where he had trials at Reading and also at your boys in Chelsea back in 2013. But didn't make it, obviously. Nope. And he's valued about 1.6 million US dollars, but again, he could come on a free. He's a goalkeeper that's done quite well. Like with Bodo Glimp, he's actually helped them get to uh, the title. The was it the the elite Syrian Norwegian title back in twenty twenty yep. and twenty twenty one. So yep. I mean, there's a bit of a pedigree that comes with this guy as well. Yeah, and this guy, yeah, has. I'm just looking here. I don't know a lot about him, but when I've heard, he's pretty decent. And the white cast is someone who can make the big saves and. This Nikita hiking guy looks like 
could be the guy. Again, it's going to be one of those ones that I think if they're going to pull the trigger, they're going to have to do it sooner rather than later because there is interest there. And if you're if you're competing with interest from someone like Blackburn, Blackburn, well, Blackburn is a team that you know what there's there's expectations with that club, and that expectation is is we should be playing in the Premier League. Hell, we won the Premier League before. They have been they have not been there for a number of years. I think it's pushing over a decade now. If more than a decade. Yeah, more than a decade. But you know, you know what? That's there. That's that's in the back of their minds. And that is attractive for a player, an ambitious club that wants to be at the top. Whitecaps want to get in there, they better do it. Yeah, better move sooner rather than later on if uh Nikita hated. Or look- rumors right now. We know it's out there, but you know what? You gotta get the ball rolling. Yeah. And the, by the way, the kit for this upcoming season is sort of leaked on footy headlines. It looks to be a very white, well, I mean, almost all white kit with blue stripe um, from the shoulder to about halfway across the arm. Pretty standard kit, but it was leaked at MLS Media Day, and you could barely see it. But some people on footy headlines have put a mock-up, and I hope it doesn't look like that. And hopefully they get a sponsor sooner rather than later. You know, what? Just... all I will say is it does not look as bad as the leaked kit for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, if you want to take a look, thing, it looks like it looks like children's pajamas. Oh yeah, I mean, good lord! Like, what? What is? If you haven't seen it already, the Toronto FC home kit. This is their home kit. Yeah, it it's looks been universally, universally lambasted by TFC fans as well. So it's not just like, uh, you know, a Vancouver bias stepping in here. Like, fans don't like it as well. But I mean, it look, is... Why is it, like, the striping is, like, black? There's, like, gray. There's hardly any red on the front, except for, like, the, the arms. It just looks so bad. You know what? I, I'm a, I've always been a fan of the very clean, crisp. It's, and then it's if, if you're going to build, go from there. But you, all this, like where they have different co- colorings across the shoulders or they have like, like the weird stripes that they're going with. Like it just, I don't know. Like this to is- me, it's not even a throwback to a bygone era where you can kind of say, Oh, a bit of nostalgia to me. It's just, it looks like pajamas. It looks like kids pajamas. Yeah, totally. looks like kids pajamas, adult pajamas too. And by the way, this would look a lot better if this was a third or an away kit, but a home kit. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Anyway, um, some more Whitecaps news here that Julian Gressel has been called up for the UN's men's national team training camp for next week, and he has just obtained his American citizenship. So yeah, good for him. Citizenship, I think, back in October or November. So this would have been like the first call up that actually made sense. There's no way he's going to the World Cup, you know, never being played with a, the men's national team before. But this is great. This is uh, really good for the player, uh, and it gives him an opportunity. And he's not the only one being called up. Ranko Veselinovic is also back in the Serbian uh, mix, uh, being called up for uh, their national side as well. Uh, Veselinovic is a guy who could play for Ser- possibly, potentially, play for Serbia at the next World Cup. I think, I think Veselinovic is a guy that I don't know much how much longer he is going to be with the Whitecaps. Let, let's put it that way. You're talking about a yeah. guy who is one of the top two, top three in the entire league in clearances. The guy is a defender who doesn't play 
he doesn't play flamboyantly, but he is so effective in the role that he is supposed to do. He is the defender you want to build your back line around. And right. I think the Raiders are going to be very lucky if they can hold on to him for, say, three more years. One, two, is, after uh, that, I'm not too sure. I believe this is last year in his contract. He might have an option for next year. I'm not 100%. I believe he does. Sure. About that, but... But I, the way I see it is that if, if they're lucky to re-sign him, great. If not, you exercise the option, and then you try to trade him outside the league. Oh, yeah. Sell, or sell him. Yeah, sell him for some... Right. It, it's going to be a sale because you don't want to lose that, especially for a player that is is young, right? He's in his mid-20s. Yeah, early mid-20s. And yeah. for Gressel, I mean, good for the player. He hasn't had any chance for the German national team but america's practically it's practically been his home for the last eight or so whatever it is years well he came from the super draft yeah and he actually went to college there yeah forgot forgot which which school but he did play college soccer yeah other than that we should also talk about we talked a little bit last week about the story of kai kamara leaving uh cf montreal not too sure what the reasoning was behind that. We've uh, kind of uh, got a little bit to add to there. P- apparently, for a player who actually wanted to end his career with uh, uh, Montreal, especially being uh, a French-speaking community and that is very much like his family, it does believe that there was a bit of a fallout with the front office over how uh, Nancy, the former coach of Montreal, was treated in his exit and eventual signing with Columbus. It does look like Kamara wants to follow Nancy, uh, is looking at Columbus as a possible alternative. Um, yeah, to me, it almost has, it reminds me a little bit about the whole Kendall Waston uh, situation when uh, when he left. Yeah, and I mean, it goes to show that it's really, like, what, what a tire fire of an offseason for Montreal. It's not finished yet in Montreal. Like, they're still bleeding. Yeah, and it's going to take a while to recover from this. I mean, much, apparently Montreal fans hate the Saputos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of hate for the Saputos for many, many years. Yeah, and so I don't know what's going on over there. I mean, I'm not really too connected with Montreal, but it sounds like the Saputos have something to do with it. I'm just making an assumption here, not reporting it. Yeah. But you know what? If, for anyone in the East, it's basically it's another opportunity to move up because I don't see Montreal Toronto as they are right now making the playoffs. And it kind of reminds yeah, me of, uh, of uh, the, the West uh, Conference last year where you had your top three teams from the year before that couldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know what? It just it, The one thing I like is it shows the parity that exists in the MLS. Just because you're up doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. But it shows the intelligence you have to have in roster management and roster construction. It's, it's a very difficult thing because you can't just throw money at the problem. You might have all the money in the world, but if you're not coming underneath the roster rules, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Like unless you're LAFC and then you, you know, you just cook the book somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're one of the LA teams or Miami or whatever, with all the big clubs, you just spend the money. So, I mean, Sucks for Kay Kamara because he wanted to end his career there. Wonder where he'll go next. 
And it's just Montreal's been a mess this entire offseason. It's funny. I've, I've actually uh, seen a few people tweet uh, about, uh, bring it back to Vancouver. We need a striker. <laughs> yeah, but not. He's, he's like 38. And Oh, yeah. We know, need a guy that has some legs on him. You know what? Uh, Kamara in his day. I mean, he's one of the best goal scorers in MLS history. But uh, you know what? Thanks thanks for your service, but we'll see you later. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he could go to Columbus. But though I think Columbus is already loaded with strikers. Yeah, I'm not too sure. The Canadian Championship, the draw for the biggest ever Canadian Championship is set for January 31st. Three new teams are going to be a part of it. Uh, We have Vancouver FC, brand new team in the CPL. And then we also have the winners of the uh, BC League One, which was TSS Rovers. We also have FC Laval from the Quebec uh, uh, Provincial League that will be uh, joining that as well. The Whitecaps and TFC will both receive buys in the first round by uh, the fact that they were in uh, last year's final. But again, this is a tournament. Whitecaps are the defending champions. What do you think about their chances this year? It should be win the whole damn thing. That should be the mindset. But, um, you know, knowing this club in their history with the Canadian Championship, there's always that possibility of them losing to a CPL side. And Toronto FC are looking to be a lot better this year. Toronto FC, uh, yeah, uh, they still have a lot of work to do in terms of their rebuilding, but you know Toronto will get there. I mean, let's be honest, they're a club that will build to be an effective team. Whether or not they're going to be a playoff team, they still got some work to do, but they're also going to have this, they're going to be their first full season with their Italians. Yeah, and good to see TSS and Langley, I mean Vancouver FC, in the Canadian Championship draw. And it makes sense for the two finalists from last year to get buys in the first round. Yep. And good to see these smaller teams compete for the Voyagers Cup. And I'm hoping that the Whitecaps get drawn with Vancouver FC. You know what? It's clubs like this, and you can compare it to like uh, the FA Cup in England or the other uh, kind of cup competitions uh, in other uh, countries. There's a romance to it where, you know what? The smaller club from a lower division gets to play these bigger clubs. And I don't know. I, I love that because that opportunity, especially in North America, doesn't exist because we don't have promotion or relegation. There's, right. there, yeah, there's just something to it that, I don't know, just gives me more love for this game. Yeah, and the Canadian Championship, I know Vanny's talked about how great it was to win it. And people say, oh, it's only a three-team tournament because only the MLS teams win it. But it's the, with these cup competitions, a smaller club can knock off a bigger club. And that's what makes them. I know they say it's only a three. uh, But, you know, like, are you going to argue that the FA Cup in England is only a 20-team competition when there's literally thousands that compete in it? I mean, yes, you know that it's going to boil down to a select few. But it's the idea that it could come up. I mean, remember back in the day, what was it, eight years ago, where Lincoln, a non-league club, made it to, what, the quarter or the semifinals? I mean, things have happened. Remember Wigan won the whole thing? Wigan won the whole thing and then got relegated the same year. Yeah. So these cup competitions are just underdog stories trying to be written. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what? Yes. In all likelihood, an MLS club is going to win, but don't write it in stone. Right. And That's what I'm saying. the Canadian Championship is not the FA Cup, but 
these cup competitions are always fun to watch because you got teams from all over Canada trying to compete for the Voyagers Cup. Yeah. Smaller teams like ESSS and Laval to like TFC Vancouver Whitecaps. And you know what? I'm hoping that, right, yes, this is the biggest draw that we've had so far in this competition. I'm hoping it grows. I'm hoping that there is an Atlantic-based league. I'm hoping there is a Prairie-based league, and those teams uh, get into it as well. I don't know how you make it work, but I hope that the territories get involved in this as well, right? Put a Do a BC League One and put a team in Whitehorse, you know? Why not? Why not? And, yeah, have the game roll over Canada. Yeah, I think it would be great. Other than that, uh, when it comes to uh, Canadian news and also a bit of a, a Whitecaps attachment with former player Marco Bustos, uh, you know, had a hell of a run with Pacific FC over the past few seasons, but he has gone on to test his abilities in Sweden with the uh, top tier uh, El- Elvenskin league, I believe it's called, with IFK Vernarmo. Uh, yeah, he's signed for a, a pretty penny up there. And you know what? I think... All the best to the player. Like I said, I've said it before about Bustos. In my mind, this is one of the players that kind of got away. Let the guy grow his wing. Alfenskin's a good place to do it. And yeah, very happy for him. All the best to Bustos. Won the Whitecaps. Shouldn't have let go so early, but thrive with Pacific. Yeah. And oh, I should also mention that Carl Robinson is back in the MLS. Yes, Robo is back. According to Stephen Goff of the Washington Post, DC United are close to hiring Carl Robertson as an assistant coach, so he'll be part of Wayne Rooney's coaching staff. Really? Well, after his a bit of a train wreck that happened in the A-League in Australia, you know what? It's interesting to see him back. Yeah, and part of Rooney's coaching staff and DC United are coming to Vancouver, I believe, September. This year, so not only see Rooney on the touchline, but it'll be the return of Carl Robinson. Interesting. All right. Well, so welcome back. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of uh, kind of uh, the other side of the pond, what's going on with Chelsea? So money is being spent. So yeah. uh, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> it is being spent. But last week. They lost to Fulham for the first time since 2006. So Chelsea aren't even the best club in West London or Fulham, let alone the entire London area, which is very sad, which is very depressing. And you know who was the best player on the pitch in that game? By far, Joe Felix. The guy so with crazy. When you say that, because I'm going to argue, can you be the best player on the pitch when you can't last an hour? Well, uh, here's my... Here's my point. He was just carrying okay. the attack, moving the ball around way more than Mason Mount and Kai Havertz were. And then this is remember this one instance where Felix was open and Mount didn't even bother passing to him. And he didn't even last an hour because of a reckless challenge. And Chelsea's attack lost its spark shortly after that. I mean, we got to be honest, that challenge was pretty bad. Yeah, there's a joke going online that. He was so sick of playing with Mason Mount and Kai Havertz, he decided to just get out of there. <laughs> he took so, a suicide not even an hour into the game. Yeah, and he's probably just all like, oh my god, I have to carry these guys? Nope. See you later. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was literally the humane thing to do on his part. He was literally carrying 
the attack because he had pretty much almost every Chelsea chant, though his shooting could have been better, but it was almost like we were watching Eden Hazard again in some way. Nice. So a lot of poor effort, some defensive lapses, Kuyibai and Trevor Chalaba were terrible. I mean, of all people, Willian had to score the first goal. Yes, that Willian, the former Chelsea player and former Arsenal player, scoring against Chelsea. Thumbs up the season, how cruel the season has been. And they let Willian score against him. And as for Laquita, should have known better because he's played with him. And William did that starter step move. Should have known better. Because William's done that many times when he was with Chelsea. But the next game was a bit better. Beat Crystal Palace 1-0. Even game, Chelsea started very slow. But guess who showed up? Kai Havertz. And a good cross from Ziyech. And Havertz has scored a header. Which is apparently, since he arrived, no player scored more headers in the Premier League than Kai Havertz. Well, actually, the only player who has scored more headers than Havertz since 2020-21 is Harry Kane. Fair enough. Who is a very good player in his own right. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, he does it. He does all right. And it's good that Grand Potter is playing some of the youth. Lewis Hall looked fine Crystal against Crystal Palace. Carney Shukawemeka, still can't pronounce his name, the 2003-born midfielder signed from Aston Villa. Look pretty good. Good at moving the ball. Look good defensively. Kid's got a lot of potential. And I'm glad he's getting some game time. Again, like another very slow start. But Chelsea somehow managed to figure it out. And Kepa Ariza Balaga made some big saves on Ducare in Crystal Palace. Again, goes to show that he's kind of redeemed himself. Though he still gives up the odd goal. But it's good to see him find some bit of form again. And Liverpool are up next on, I believe, Sunday or Saturday. And it's the battle of the struggling team. You can call it El Midico or whatever you want. <laughs> because these two teams have, uh, are struggling. We'll talk more about Liverpool later. And I believe, yeah, this game is at, um, at Stamford Bridge. No, it's at Anfield. I'm not getting up at 4.30 in the morning to watch two struggling teams go after each other. Normally, I would watch Chelsea-Liverpool, but not this time. So, yeah, I'm back to the money. So, this was a kind of a surprise, even though Chelsea were kind of linked to him for the past two months. And this player, Mikhailo Modric, a Ukrainian winger, 22 years old, just turned 22, supposedly was going to Arsenal, right? Just like Joe Felix. But that didn't happen, because Chelsea hijacked the deal. It was reported at first to be 100 million euros, but the official announcement from Chelsea themselves made it 70 million euros. Because at least 25 million euros were donated but from by Sergeant to Ukrainian war efforts. And Modric was unveiled during halftime in the game against Crystal Palace wearing the Ukrainian flag. So... That was a hell of a way to unveil him. But it's still a lot of money for a player who has potential, but is still relatively unproven. Four years with Shackerton, as he's only scored nine goals. And to be fair, he was a youth player in at least half of those four years. Yeah. 
But, I mean, this is still, I mean, with the football transfer market, the inflation is really sky high with players like Mudrick and Anthony going for these astronomical fees. I mean, it, people are saying Todd Bowles is just throwing more money around to piss off the rivals, throwing money around to see what happens, which is what I'm kind of getting. But according to The Athletic, Grand Potter really wanted this guy. See, the one thing I don't understand about Todd Bowley is with all this money you've been throwing around in a single year, what happens in year two or year three when you aren't underneath FPP or uh, that's, FFP? That's the thing. And apparently the reasoning behind not signing Enzo Fernandez and paying the release clause is they Benfica wanted all the money up front while... Jack Gurd and Esk were fine with the money in installments, and that was an easier way to get around FFP. And I guess Chelsea are starting to become the new PSG, saying FU to the FFP in some way, with all this spending. But, um, to, talking about Mudrick, this guy is fast. Like, this guy is lightning fast. He can, has a good shot, he can pass the ball pretty well, good at playmaking, but this guy's speed is off the chart. And Grand Potter wants speed in his lineup, and speed is good for the Premier League. So, Modric seems to... I mean, I like the signing, but I still think it's a lot for a relatively unproven player. And Grand Potter wants him, which he did apparently, then, then fine. And he could possibly play against Liverpool at Anfield. So that's one place to make a debut. And Chelsea are going after another midfielder, and that is Brighton's Moises Caicedo, who is familiar with Graham Potter for obvious reasons. Decent defensive midfielder, good ball progressor, and Brighton won about £75 million for him if they want to get him this window. Which is a lot, again. I mean, Caicedo is good, but is he worth that much money? I don't think so. But Brighton are insisting they want £75 million. At least, for Caicedo. And it's up to Chelsea to decide whether or not they want to spend the money for him. And, I mean, this is another thing, like... There's Brighton's player of the year, Marco Correa, Brighton's former head coach, Graham Potter, and a bunch of other staff. So it's just like Graham Potter just wanted to bring players from Brighton to his new club. And Caicedo is good and is poised for a, a bigger move. But I think there are better options. Like Enzo Fernandez is obviously one, and one that I've been wanting for about three years. Declan Rice, but Arsenal are heavily linked him. And this points to the signs that Todd Bowley could do another possible hijacking, but at this rate, they'll spend $150 million for Declan Rice. <laughs> the Which thing is Arsenal, Arsenal is patient. Uh, I don't think that they're stubborn like, like Tottenham is, and they're not going to pull the trigger immediately. Like Chelsea, there's somewhere in the middle. It seems to be working for them this year. Yeah, and 
I mean, Chelsea could make an offer for Rice possibly in the summer because I don't see West Ham letting him go mid-season. Not a chance. Not with when, when they're fighting for their lives right now. Yeah. I mean, if, our, if West Ham get relegated, that'll uh, make things a whole lot easier in the summer. Yeah. and But it'll be a bidding war for Declan Wright. But I like... I like Caicedo too, but my first choices would be Rice and Fernandez because that's a a midfield duo that could really take you places in the next ten years. And two very similar style players. So Rice is more of a I think Rice is better all round. Slightly. Or not slightly, but a by a bigger margin. But this Mudrick guy is I'm intrigued to see him because just watching his highlight, this guy still has a lot of room for growth, but I just can't wait to see him show off his beat. And Simon Phillips of the I believe the Telegraph or the Guardian, I forgetting oh no, um of Top Chelsea and a Sports Il S I and Dan Talk Chelsea podcast. He's been like Cited by the Guardian and the Telegraph, he reports of a squad clear out that which could happen as soon as the summer, maybe even earlier. And players like Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, and Hakim Ziyech have uncertain futures. I think there has a, to be a clear out with how much money they spend. They're going to re- need to recoup it somewhere, which is um, a long time coming because it should have happened a while ago. Yeah, but. Thank goodness, because some players aren't enough to standard for, are playing to standard rather for Chelsea, and I think letting both three aforementioned players go should be the best for him, especially with all these attackers coming in. So, I mean, if they don't want to play for Chelsea, they should leave. That's what um, I think should happen, and I hope. That it actually gets done because Tuchel wanted this clear out last summer and he didn't really get it. And I hope Grand Potter manages to get all the players he wants and gets rid of the players he doesn't want. Because this club needs to rebuild and I'm glad that one of my teams that I cheer for is actually willing to commit to a rebuild. So uh, it's it's good to hear. And... Before I wrap up Chelsea, another signing's coming. Another one. Because why not? Because why not? 20-year-old winger slash attacking midfielder. England international, apparently. Noni Maduke. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Has signed for 35 million euros from PSV. Again, another young guy. There's a thing here. Building for the future. And another Winger. young guy that's a former academy product of uh, Tottenham because we yep. have given those away. Yep, another Tottenham academy product, former rather, yeah. guy um, was, um, he's of Nigerian descent, but he was born in Barnet. But he is a creative left-footed winger slash midfielder, and he is physically strong. And the PSV manager, Roger Smith, says that he's able to read situations again, the right positions, and be in the right place. Which is great to hear. 
because not only is he creative, but he's smart. And he is been described as direct, powerful, versatile. And one of his idols is none other than Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, good player to model your game after, though not your attitude. <laughs> yeah. But I like it. Again, more youth, more players for the future, someone who's creative and smart. So Maduke with Nkunku would be a very good duo for the attack. I mean, Jal Phillips is here on a six-month loan, but he could possibly gel well with Felix when he gets back from his three-game suspension. So, yeah, Chelsea are losing games, not getting results, but they're spending the money. I, we're not going to make the conference league at this point, but spend the money. I guess that's the plan. At well, least there's you're competing with the likes of Brentford and Brighton and Fulham. Yeah, those if those teams are above you, you uh, you need to do some work. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, but at least yes. the plan. Yeah. Spend, spending some money for the future. So for Tottenham, the North London derby was lost at home for the first time since, like, what, 2014? And back then, Mikel Arteta was Arsenal's captain. Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah, uh, the last time Arsenal won away to Spurs, Arteta was the captain. Now he's done it as the manager. So, I mean, take that for what you will. In that first half, I mean, I could say that it was because Spurs were so poor in that first half that they didn't deserve it, but that wasn't the only thing. Yeah. Arsenal was also just good. It was... I mean, look at the way the ball. It was a that painful was... thing to watch. I mean, the the, the first goal from Saka uh, about 14 minutes into the game, Lloris had it. Lloris had it, fumbled the ball into his own net. I mean, sure, Saka gets the goal. In my mind, it's an own goal by Lloris. It was an absolute blunder. And then if you take a look at the second goal uh, from Martin uh, Odegaard, it was an absolute, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. It was an absolute beautiful shot uh, from outside oh, yeah. the box. Uh, it was hard. It was low. Uh, there was a little bit of cover. It was a little bit difficult to see, but it was well executed from the captain of Arsenal. They came out, and you got to think that uh, Antonio Conte basically just, you know, just laced into these guys at halftime because they did come out and they did play much better. But they're also coming up against a team that was already playing good for for forty five minutes, so they basically just matched them, kept it to a nil nil draw in that second half, but it wasn't enough to even come close to getting a win or a draw overall in the game. This was Arsenal's game from zero to 90 minutes and it is very very painful to say that especially because it was played at tottenham hotspur way um in my mind it shows the development the difference in development of these two teams tottenham who is stingy wants to get all these aging managers with old ideas rather than arsenal who who knows their guy picks him and then gives him the time to get there it's working at Arsenal at Tottenham. I don't know. There's the, there's a struggle. It's just not there yet. And it does make me wonder how much longer the ownership of Tottenham with uh, ENIC is going to be sticking around. Joe Lewis, who kind of runs the show. He is the, he is the owner. Uh, you know, he's not the chairman because he stands back from that and kind of lets Danny Levy kind of, you know, run the show, but he, it does seem like he is looking to, you know, figure out some sort of exit from the club. Now we do know that QSI 
who also owns PSG, was looking to buy a stake in a, a Premier League club, has had meetings with Tottenham for a potential uh, third of the club. It's not what Joe Lewis wants. Joe Lewis wants to sell the club in its entirety, which has to rule out QSI. You're not allowed to own multiple clubs that are competing in Europe. And if you owned PSG and Tottenham at the same time, it's just not going to work. So I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to a sale. But if this, if it does happen, it's not to the level of what you know Manchester United or what Fenway is doing with Liverpool. But these are, and then also just with Tot, uh, with Chelsea, four big, big clubs in England could potentially be on the market here. Three of them are already. Which is insane. It's bonkers, right? The one thing I think we need to mention uh, with the end of this uh, Tottenham-Arsenal game is what happened with uh, Arsenal goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale. Game yeah. is already over, and there was a video of a fan running to... Uh, down the down the stands towards the pitch as uh, Ramsdale was coming to get his water bottle. Obviously, to do that, he has to come close to the ad boards. And literally, this fan drop kicks Ramsdale in the head. Yeah, he just kicked him. Kicked him and runs back into the fans. Now, the thing is, is this guy has now since been identified. He's a 35-year-old. So, I mean, Wait, he's 35? Now, yeah, he's he 35. Looks to uh, appear in court on February 17th uh, on criminal charges. I, I can't believe he's 35 because he looks like a 12-year-old. Oh, yeah. He looks very, very young. But, yeah, he's going to be facing criminal charges. He's already got a ban from uh, from uh, Tottenham Hotspur Way. I don't know how long that ban is. In my mind, it should be a lifetime ban. And it should be a lifetime ban in all stadiums in England. Right. Sorry, but and if you do this, you're done. Yeah, like, why do this? Like, well, what, do you, what do you hope to achieve? And the other thing that's really disappointing to me is that after you see this happen, you see Tottenham fans in in the stands protecting this uh, this this uh, this attacker from stewards, so he's able to get away. Yeah, and the stewards didn't really make a good effort. They really didn't. I mean, let's be honest; the I mean, stewards certainly do a whole lot. I don't think that they were prepared for it, which again is also disappointing. But yeah, uh, disappointing all around. Now, Tottenham does have a chance to redeem themselves at least on the pitch today, uh, where in about 40 minutes they will face Manchester City. Again, this is not an easy game. Um, it's Manchester City. I mean, this is a team they're sitting right now uh, tied for second with uh, their uh, their neighbors on the other side of Manchester. But if Tottenham has any designs on making that top four, these are games that you have to win. They're, oh, yeah. They're games you have to win, and you have to find a way. you got to really put up a better effort than the game against Arsenal because they look so beautiful. Now, this game is away to uh, the Etihad. It is going to be a difficult game, but you got to remember that last year Tottenham won here. Yeah, and Man City are coming off a Manchester Manchester Derby loss to Man United where Ten Hag's counterattacking football outclassed Pep. And you know what? Tottenham is a counterattacking team. So if they could do it, it would be really, really nice. Um, other than that, uh, we've just got our transfer rumors. Uh, again, uh, you know, Pedro Porro, there's a deal is already agreed with the player. It's just a matter of trying to figure out what to do with the team. They, um, the, the club wants, or Sporting CP, they want the entire release clause paid. Recently, uh, I think it's about 39 million euros. Now, Tottenham has offered 34 million euros, bonuses, 
and to drop the the transfer fee that's still owed from Marcus Edwards by 50%. In my mind, that that should match it. I don't know if it's going to be taken, but it you know it is interesting. Uh, other than that, Tottenham is also looking at uh, Leandro Trossard. Unfortunately, he is now just signed with Arsenal. It was just announced uh, earlier today by Fabrizio Romano. The deal is already done, pending a medical for about £27 million. So another one that's gotten away. Uh, there is a potential loan deal uh, from Villarreal for Arnaud Danjuma. Uh, he has flown to London already. Uh, there might be an option to purchase uh, the winger. We'll have to see. I'm not really a big fan of this deal because it is just a loan. I want I want something concrete done. Now, the the one or the two concrete deals that could come is again a player that Tottenham was looking at in the summer. Actually, two players that Tottenham was looking in the summer. One is Nicolo Zanolio from AS Roma. Roma looks like they're ready to let this player go this month for about 30 million euros. Tottenham is still the player or the team that is interested. And it looks like they might be the only team that is interested, but it is uh, a player in the middle of the park that I think would really work. The other one is Tottenham is really having a hard time trying to convince Antonio Conte to stay longer than his contract. And they're looking for guarantees. And one of those guarantees looks like Tottenham might be about to break the bank overspending by uh, their record transfer fee by about another 30 million for uh, Yasko Gavardiel. They look like they might be looking to uh, basically spend the, the release clause for Gavardiel to bring him to, to North London if they can get a guarantee from Conte that this will keep him at, at Tottenham. I don't know if it'll work. I also don't know if this is just talk because it's Tottenham and I can't I can't see them spending, what was it, about 98 million, I don't even know if it's pounds or euros, but again, it's a... It's an you know astronomical number in my mind. Um, yeah, it'll it's, it kind of remains to be seen. But if this will do it, hey, I'll take Gavardiol. Yeah, might as well spend it on Gavardiol. Yeah, um, there are other managers waiting in the wings. Apparently, Thomas Tuchel has been uh, talking publicly about uh, interest in the Spurs job. Now, it has also been reported that while he is on a list of potential replacements, he is not the top. And even former manager Mauricio Paticeno is higher on that list than Tuchel. So, and whether or not that list will ever even be activated, who knows? Because if they can keep Conte, I think that's what they want to do. Conte remains to be seen. He has been talking publicly about the difficulty of being away from his family from Italy for so long and whether or not he wants to go back. I think, I think he is remembering how good he had it at Inter, and yeah. he's kind of hit a bit of a crisis, a personal life crisis, let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't know. When it comes to, to Tottenham, we're getting, again, it's, we had a, a busy, busy, busy summer, but we're now back to what I should say we're used to as Spurs fans in. There's a lot of talk and not a lot of action. I can't imagine Tuchel wanting to go to Spurs. I mean, he wants to manage in the Premier League, but him clashing with Daniel Levy. I can't imagine it. Like you think of the difficulty that he had in trying to get players that he wanted at Chelsea. You try to do yeah. that with Levy or Levy. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And uh, I mean that, um, Nicole Zonio guy. I think that helped, or helped down the middle. 
Zanobi like 30 million would be a nice guy to have. I do wonder what happens to players like Oliver Skip if you bring him in. Uh, Skip, uh, he's kind of hit a bit of a hiccup in his progression, but this is a guy that they're still talking about of being a future captain of the, of the club. So I do wonder what happens with that. And I'm also, especially when you've got guys like uh, Papa Marasar, who's now starting to break into the lineup uh, in the midfield. I want guys like that to be given their due. Uh, players like Brian Heal on the wing. That's why I'm like, I was wondering, like, why are you looking at like someone like Trissard? Why are you looking at Janjuma when you have players you're not using, but when you do decide to use them, do very well. Imagine how well they're going to do if you give them consistency. Yeah, play. I mean, these players are pretty young, so they're and very young. But I want to so, say, oh, and uh, one other thing I should mention: uh, we talked about last week that uh, Tottenham uh, player Lucas Mora will not have his option exercised. It does look like there is some interest from Everton, which uh, possibly if they can uh, let Mora go for a reduced fee this January, I think they would be willing to do. And Everton needs the help. They're sitting in, in uh, what, second last place right now? Actually, yep. all, all three of the uh, relegation teams right now are tied on 15 points. So if Everton wants help, you know what? Mora is a, a, a nice addition. Yeah, should help Frank Lampard out. Absolutely. Looks uh, like he could get the boot anytime soon. His head is on the block. Let's put it that way. Yep. And Sir Jim Radcliffe, apparently one of the richest people in the UK, has expressed interest in buying Manchester United. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Radcliffe wants to own a team. Let's put it that way. He he was one of the guys that was making the bid for Chelsea. He's now yeah. doing it with Manchester United. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, puts up a bid for uh, for Liverpool. I mean, the guy, yeah, expressed interest in owning a football club. This guy, who don't know him, he's a chemical engineer, businessman, CEO of uh, Ineos Chemical Chemicals yeah. Group, which he founded, and apparently still owns two thirds. So this Sir Jim Radcliffe guy is um. Yeah, expressing interest in Manchester United. He even kind of looks like he's from that area. I don't know why. He just gives me those vibes. But, I mean, Manchester United fans would take anyone that isn't the Glazers and are happy that the Glazers are selling the club. You know what? Jim Radcliffe reminds me of uh, another Jim from Canada, Jim Basile, and what he was trying to do in basically buy any NHL team he possibly could to move them up uh, north of the border into the as a second team in the Toronto area. He was looking at Hamilton. And he tried with how many different teams to try and do that? You know, another, you know, big-name billionaire. The guy uh, created uh, BlackBerry. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Two gyms. Uh, same plans, but both of them so far haven't been able to make it work. Hmm. Yeah, and Radcliffe uh, is a Manchester United fan, but at the same time, he was a Chelsea season ticket holder back years ago. Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that, it, it, it's just odd. And, I mean, if they want... Manchester United fans are willing to take a chemical chemistry guy to own the club. Maybe he could, I don't know, help steer Manchester United back into the right ship. You know what? Manchester United is doing very well right now. I think uh, Ten Hag, or Ten Hag has, Hag. Uh, has figured it out. I mean, what, they're undefeated, I think, in their last 10 or something like that? Or a, yeah. a, 
But not because I think Manchester United wants an English owner. They don't want an overseas owner after they were burned so badly by the Glazers. They want a guy who comes from England because that kind of comes with like, oh, you know us. You know what we want, right? You're not going to be using us as like an investment tool or anything like that. I think they would be very, very open to someone like Sir Jim Radcliffe. Yeah, and they won't want someone looking at Manchester United as an offshore project. Yeah, They want someone who is close to home and is all in on Manchester United, who have been, again, doing pretty well. Eric Ten Hag, always liked him as a manager. He's, I think he's turned Manchester United around pretty well with his, again, counterattacking football. The way they played against Manchester City was pretty nice. And it seems things things are a lot better without Cristiano Ronaldo in the dressing room. You know what? This is a manager that has... Oh my God, he's got big balls. Like to stand up to someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, to stand up to the fans and say, look, I know what I'm doing. And now finally getting the ability to show that he knows what he's doing. He had to come through a lot of hardship to get to this point. And it's paying off. It's actually paying off quicker than I thought it would. They're tied for yeah. second in the league right now. I thought it would take at least a year. I did too. So you know what? Credit where credit is due. Yeah. Yeah. Good on and Ted Hay. You know He's kind of got Harry Maguire playing like a defender. Pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Maguire, I mean, there are times where he isn't even playing at all, but when he is playing, looks decent. Yeah. So what's wrong with Liverpool? Yeah, so they lost to Brighton last week. 3-0. And they did beat Wolves in the FA Cup under last game, but they lost 3 nothing to Brighton, who are a decent side in their own right, but Liverpool sit, I'm uh, just looking here, nice in the Premier League table, tied on points with Chelsea, and they lost to Brentford this season. They, um, hell, they even lost to Leeds too. They lost to Nottingham Forest. They've lost to RB Salzburg. So, Liverpool. I mean, this is not what we... There's been a lot of talk about Jurgen Klopp and his kind of seven-year struggle, right? Like, he he does amazing with clubs, then he gets to that seventh year, and problems happen. It's like uh, Jose Mourinho and his third years, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a superstition that might be playing in there. I think there's also, it's the problem with Fenway in the fact that you know, they've bought all these attacking players and, and realized, oh, wait, maybe we need a midfield. They're, I mean, they're they're set to lose pretty much their entire midfield at the end of the season. And that's and not doing anything to speak with. It, Fenway is just not – they're not interested in Liverpool anymore, and it's affecting everything else in the club. Yeah, they're not interested in Liverpool because they're selling. And Liverpool are still relying on James Miller and Jordan Henderson, who are decent players in their own right but are aging – in the midfield, and they did nothing to address the midfield. And their back line looks pretty shaky, even though Virgil van Dijk... All I have to say is that I'm not surprised that Liverpool is struggling. I I was surprised how poorly they struggled at the beginning of the season, like when they were sitting, like, what, in 16th, 17th. I mean, it shows you just how important a player like Sané was. Sadio Mane, yeah. Yeah, or sorry, uh, Sadio Mane, uh, my, my bad. But... uh and that the fact that they haven't replaced a player like that. 
Yeah, and they got Cody Gakpo. I mean, he's decent, all right, but not worthy he's of decent, being. But you got to get him the ball. Yeah. Right. And Mohamed Salah can't do everything else. And hard talking about the midfield. Harvey Elliott is a player with a lot of potential, but you yeah. can't be on him to be the guy yet. It's a very disjointed team right now. There is there is star power, there is firepower, but they're missing something. They're, they've been injuries. They're injured. not a balanced squad. But, yeah, I mean, injuries can't be an excuse. Trent Alexander-Arnold lost his ability to defend. Um, Matip and Konate have been haven't been that good. Robertson's been okay. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of players have been just okay for Liverpool. Speaking of injuries that you mentioned there, we should talk about Bayern Munich. Manuel Neuer is out for the rest of the season after his ski touring uh, accidents. And they have found the replacement uh, from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Jan Sommer has signed with the club uh, after, I, you know what, you got to say, a pretty decent World Cup as well. Yeah, and God does well for Switzerland in the. Euros, and very calm, collected goalkeeper. Good at saving pens too. Good replacement for Neuer, and it's about time he moved to a to a bigger club. Yep, you know what? It's a good move. I know he's been looked at by a number of clubs. Uh, I mean, think of who else would you want to go to if you play in Germany? Bayern Munich. Well, yeah. well, I love, I love Dortmund, but. Can't turn down Bayern. No, no, not at all. And Bayern is a team that loves to sign players of value. And Summer is that. So, the good one there. And should mention back to Liverpool for a bit before we wrap up. I mean, Jurgen Klopp shouldn't take the shouldn't take the fall for for this, but I have a feeling he will. Because they need someone to to be the fall guy. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. I don't know when it's going to happen. Probably at the end of the season. It might be the end of the season. They might just play it out, but yeah. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp is not the problem at Liverpool. No, he's not. So that um, concludes this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Follow me on Twitter at JoshRay91. Nathan is at Anderic. Podcast is at Terminal City FC. Your constructive criticism and feedback is always welcome. Check out the Instagram and Facebook pages. So, hopefully, we'll get some more White Cats news over the next few weeks and, and more news around the world of soccer as January transfer window still is open. So, that concludes this week's episode. Peace out. Take care.